0: Listening to petliferadio.com.
1: Welcome to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. It's your host, Tim Link, and I'm so glad you're joining us today. My special guest today is author, writer, journalist, and celebrity interviewer Glenn Plaskin. Glenn will be here talking with us uh, today about his book, Katie Up and Down the Hall which is now available in paperback. And it's also been an option for a movie. So we want to talk uh, to Glenn about that a little bit, too, and how that process comes about. So we'll be right back. We're going to take a quick commercial break. We'll be right back with Glenn Plaskett, talk about Katie up and down the hall in just a moment. You're listening to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Sit. Stay.
0: We'll be right back after a short pause. Well, four to be exact. Choose from over 100,000 titles. To get this great deal, go to AudibleDeals.com. That's AudibleDeals.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com.
1: Welcome back. Welcome back to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. This is your host, Tim Link. And joining me now is author Glenn Plaskin. He's going to be talking about his book, Katie Up and Down the Hall. Glenn, thanks for joining Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio.
2: It's a pleasure to be here again talking to you.
1: Yeah, it's always a pleasure talking to you. I like keeping up on all the things you've got going on, all your writing, and uh, the latest happenings that are going on. And your book, Katie Up and Down the Hall, a huge success, and now it's available in paperback.
2: Well, thank you. Um, the book came out uh, a year and a half ago or so, and as you know, it's about um, the power of of one dog bringing together a group of neighbors and turning them into a family, and in the book, the family basically consists of a little boy down the hall uh, named Ryan who has no mom but a dad, and um, and then in the middle of the hallway, there's an older woman in her 80s named Pearl, who never had any children or grandchildren, of course, and she kind of adopts this little boy as her own. Late in life, she discovers a child has come into her life. And she and her husband, Arthur, love having both my dog and the little boy in their life. And then on the other end of the hall is me and Katie. And so over a period of um, 16 years, um, you follow the story of what happens between the little boy, his dad, the grandmother, the grandfather, me, and my dog. And um, a lot of dramatic things happened over those period of years, including a lot of Hollywood hijinks, because my job at that time is interviewing entertainment people, and also even serious things like um, the terrors of 9-11, because we were living here in New York City at the time the um, World Trade Center was attacked.
1: You know, the thing I find fascinating about the book is the fact that uh, you know, you're know you all in one apartment building on the same floor, and up until this time, until Katie came around, perhaps didn't know each other
2: very well or at all. No, I don't think we would have known each other because you know how easy it is to be even in a, not just an apartment building but even in a neighborhood, so many suburban neighborhoods. People really don't have very close relationships oftentimes with their neighbors. But it's amazing what can happen when you've got a dog on the other end of a leash. That dog is like a passport to adventure. And the dog is friendly in a way that people often are not. You know, dogs just insinuate themselves into your life and they start sniffing away and lick your face and climb into your lap. And uh, they create an instant ease, a social kind of ease that allows these friendships to develop. And in my particular case... The relationships that did develop between the six of us, it became really like a family. It was no different. It wasn't something I expected, but imagine if you just have your grandmother down the hall from you. Uh, Most people don't see their grandmothers more than maybe once a month or once a year, but I was seeing our grandmother two or three times a day. She would uh, babysit for Katie Katie was pretty much ruling the hallway because we left our doors open so she could go from one apartment to the other. She'd just push open the door with her paws. She'd jump up onto the table at mealtime, put her paws on the table. My uh, friend Pearl would feed her fried chicken off a fork. She would eat corn on the cob from ear to ear. You know, you would hold the ear of corn and she would go from side to side. This dog was pretty much running the show. As they always do.
1: <laughs> And I think you're absolutely right. I mean, I, I reflect back. I, I don't know if you can reflect back to your childhood, Glenn, but you know, I know growing up, I grew up in the Midwest, and we lived on a, a dead end street. There were probably about 20 homes on the street, and at that time, everybody knew everybody. You knew the grandmothers and the fathers and dads and the kids, and we'd get together on a weekly basis and play ball or ride bikes. Uh, you know, it, it literally was a family. And and now, I, I, admittedly, so you know, I've lived in the same home for 10 years now, and. And I barely know my neighbors.
2: For people who uh, don't yet have the book and might want to visualize the family, anyone can visit the book's website, which is www.katiebook.com. And when you go to katiebook.com, the very first thing you'll see is what we call a book trailer. And a book trailer is just like a movie trailer. It gives you kind of a preview of what the book is all about. And any good book trailer has, um, usually has beautiful music, spoken words, And either photographs or video images. And if you go to this little four minute trailer, you'll see everybody in it. You'll see Katie, you'll see the grandmother Pearl, and her husband, and me, and the dog, and everybody. And um, I always, you know, a picture really is worth a thousand words. So if you're interested in seeing what we all look like and what adventures we were up to, this little uh, book trailer gives you a preview of it.
1: I thought the trailer turned out fantastic. First of all, so congratulations on that. And uh, the trailers—I know we briefly had an exchange about this as well. That it seems logical because every movie has a trailer, or they've had trailers for for as long as I've been going to movies. It's a relatively new concept when you're trying to introduce a book.
2: Yes, they didn't use. You know, I think social media and the internet has changed the way books are marketed and sold. And nowadays, people want a preview of the book, and there are many ways to get a preview. I mean you can read a book review in the newspapers or magazines. but this is immediate, and um, it's really become a key part of marketing a book and I wrote a blog about how to produce uh, a good book trailer. I'd consulted with somebody on it, and um, basically you want to tell part of the story but not too much of it and you don't want to give away the ending or anything but you just want a feeling for the book and i have to say i was on facebook today and some lady wrote me and said the whole reason she bought the book was because she watched the book trailer there you go so um it is effective and it it creates kind of a an, an emotional um feeling inside you when you watch it you know I actually used the music from a movie about a dog called My Dog Skip. Do you remember that movie? Sure, sure. My Dog Skip has the most beautiful sound score. And I I bought the rights to that music because I thought it just fit the, the feel of this kind of family story very well. So that's where the music is from.
1: Yeah, and I think you're right. in the trailer, you see uh, everybody that's involved in the book. And when you're reading a good book, you know you, you can sort of try to visualize those uh, those images of who those people are. And when you're looking at uh, you know the, the back of the cover and shows the picture of the whole family there, that helps. But the trailer really takes it to that extra step. You really do form that bond with all the different characters in the book.
2: And also, the hardcover edition of the book does have. Um Quite a few color photographs in the book, and when people get the audio book, it comes with a special disc of photos. So it, the photos, in this case, I do think helps bring the story to life. Although any good story that you read, you don't need photos at all. I mean, you really don't need them. But I think it's just a, an added plus if you, if you get them.
1: You know? Absolutely, absolutely. Now, the one question I have for you, though, is since writing the book and uh, having it out there and getting the responses like you mentioned through Facebook, what would you say you've learned most about the lessons you've learned from the book and whether it's the writing process or what you've experienced uh, since it's been launched?
2: Well, the thing that I was most surprised by – was I knew there were a lot of dog lovers out in the world, but I never knew there were this many. Uh, (laughs) People, you know, send me so many, uh, like, emails and letters. And what's interesting is that it seems like a book like this, not just my book, but any book like this, it's kind of cathartic because so many people wrote me with their stories of, for instance, when their dog was sick or when they lost a dog or when they lost the grandmother or when or, you know, in the happy things about owning a puppy and what you go through the various stages of life with a dog. Everybody seems to uh, read a book through the prism of their own experience and their own life with a dog. And I've gotten quite a few um, really emotional letters from people. So I was just surprised by how many... Um, I mean, we all know there's millions of dog owners in America, but what non-dog owners sometimes forget is the dogs really are a member of the family. It's true that they can't talk. But they have sensitivities, they have sensibilities, they're intelligent, they understand things, they understand when things are happy, they understand when things are sad. Their moods oftentimes are very much in um, in alignment with the household mood, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And um, so I think that dogs, they're not human, but they're quite human in the way they react sometimes to us, you know.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, I agree with you wholeheartedly on that. And I think that the commonality of, you know, I talk to a lot of people, obviously, and work with clients uh, with their animals. And you'd be amazed how many times I've heard, well, you know, I talk to my animal every day and people just think I'm crazy. But guess what? So does the person next door to you and the next one down the road. Everybody communicates and talks to their animals and have that deep relationship. But we don't always get to share it. And I think that the book does a great job of uh, uh, putting it all into perspective and, and realizing we have that commonality.
2: If people talk as much to their mates as they do to their dogs, there'd probably be a lower divorce rate.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. Well, the problem, I think, though, Glenn, is the dogs listen a little bit better, perhaps.
2: (laughs) That's one advantage of not being able to talk. (laughs) You,
1: You do become quite a good listener. You become a great listener, and that's the best part of having a communication, I think, is what it is, is be a good listener. Well, before we go to break, Glenn, I want to ask you about the the whole process for our listeners, if you can briefly walk us through this process of you wrote the book. It got published. It got into hardback, and at what point do you or the publishing house determine, okay, we're going to release this on X number of dates afterwards, uh, the paperback version. We're going to release the audiobooks uh, at a certain point. How does that whole process come
2: about? Well, most books, uh, when they come out, they come out in different editions. For instance, my book came out in a hardcover edition. But it also came out uh, as an audio book simultaneously because for some people who don't want to read, they can listen to it in their car or at home, you know. Mm -hmm. So they came out simultaneously, and I actually um, recorded the audio book. I wasn't going to do it myself. We were going to use a voiceover uh, artist to do it. But I told them, well, I'll try it. And if I don't like the way it sounds, just hire somebody to do it. But then once I got into the um, studio, I had a bad cold that day, and they kept giving me hot water and lemon. And I found one hour led to the other, and we wound up recording the whole book. It took 21 hours, spread over three days. Wow. And um, if you sit in your car and go on a trip and just listen to it, I think it can be very soothing to listen to. So some people like the experience, you know, of reading. Some people like the experience of listening, and you now have your, your choice. And then usually, traditionally, a book will come out about a year or two later in paperback. Once the hardcover edition has run its course, And in this case, the book came out in May. My new dog, Lucy, and I went on Fox Television to promote the paperback edition on the day it came out. And, um, you know, it's the same exact book, except that uh, instead of color photos, it has black and white photos. But you can get, you know, either edition at the moment on Amazon.com if you just go to Katie up and down the hall. And that's basically it. And then it was also sold in Germany and in uh, China and in um, a couple other countries, I'm forgetting at the moment. And every time it comes out, I find it amusing they don't use the picture of my real dog on the cover. They seem to be using these imposter dogs in foreign editions. The um, dog that's on the front cover of the Chinese edition doesn't even look like a Cocker Spaniel, which, of course, Katie is. I don't know what that dog is, and I, I was a little surprised, but who am I to tell China what to do? (laughs)
1: <laughs> exactly. And as long as they're paying the bills, what the heck. But that is really fascinating. Do you think it's because of having the rights to the, the photo of Katie, or is it more of the fact that maybe a particular breed is more popular in a particular country?
2: I think it's probably a marketing decision on what they think will be most appealing to their readers because they all have access to all the photos that came out in the original edition. So uh, it's not a matter of that they couldn't buy the picture because they got it. Uh, They just chose to use something else. So if you go on the Internet, you'll see uh, this book comes out with different imposter dogs on the cover. But the real (laughs) dog is on the cover of the American edition. There you go. And I'm sure if it has uh, Katie's
1: stamp of approval and her essence behind it, it's all got to be good.
2: Yes, and if anybody who's listening to your show does pick up the book, uh, in the back of the book, you can contact me through my website. And for anybody who wants a signed copy of the book, you don't need to send me the book. I have a special sticker that uh, can be sent through the mail to you, and you can put it right into the book. It has a special picture, and you'll see. But So if anybody would like an autographed book, all they have to do is write me an email, and I'll send you this sticker.
1: Wow! Very good, very good. We'll I'll be expecting my email shortly. Okay. <laughs> All right, we're going to take a quick little break, uh, but we're going to come back and continue our conversation with Glenn Plaskin right after these messages from our sponsors. You're listening to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio.
0: Sit, stay. We'll be right back after a short pause. Well, four to be exact. Introducing the new Brett Michaels Pets Rock Collection exclusively at PetSmart. I created it for the pets that rock your world. Shop the Brett Michaels Pets Rock Collection and celebrate PetSmart's 25th anniversary with up to 25% off thousands of items on the PetSmart site. Plus, free shipping on orders of $49 or more. Go to PetSmartDeal.com. That's PetSmartDeal.com. P-E-T-S-M-A-R-T-D-E-A-L.com. I don't make any decisions about who to hire without going to Angie's List first.
1: You'll find reviews on home repair to health care, written by people just like you. With Angie's List, I know who to call, and I know the results will be
0: fantastic. Angie's List, who you can trust. Go to Angie'sList.com forward slash rights and get 25% off any subscription. That's Angie'sList.com forward slash rights, W-R-I-T-E-S. Go to PetMeds.com forward slash Lucky, L-U-C-K-Y, to get 10% off any order. And free shipping on orders of $39 or more at PetMeds.com.
2: Your groomer is going to hate me. Hi, I'm Allie McClellan. Join me for my Pet Life Radio show, Groom for Improvement. You're going to save time and money with these tips from my New York City grooming table. From product recommendations to do's and don'ts, I am going to hook you up. So just do me a favor and don't mention this to your groomer. Groom for Improvement on Pet Life Radio.
1: Let's Talk Pets.
0: Let's Talk Pets. On Pet Life
1: Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. This is Tim Link, your host. And I've got author Glenn Plaskin with me talking to us about his book, uh, Katie Up and Down the Hall. Now, Glenn, I, we talked briefly off air about the book and possibly coming out in a movie edition. Can you expand on that a little bit?
2: Well, the book, if you read it, is a very cinematic story. It takes place along the Hudson River, right opposite where the World Trade Center was. It has um, a lot of action in it, both canine action and human adventure action. We go on a lot of adventures in my job as a journalist. As the book progresses, there are some dramatic and sometimes tragic things that happen, including 9-11. There are certain losses and separations. And changes in the relationships. It's If you compare it to a book like Marley and Me, Marley and Me has a certain sad ending to it. The ending of this book is uplifting but bittersweet, and it's, it's truly a slice of life. And so it is cinematic, and I always saw it as uh, a potential movie. And nowadays, you know, to get a, uh, whether it's a TV movie or a theatrical film made out of a book... It's a long process, but one thing you want to do, if possible, is try to get a star interested who could possibly play one of the major roles. And in this particular case, um, it's the grandmother, Pearl, who is actually the heroine of the book in some ways. Um, when, When an excerpt of the book originally appeared in Family Circle magazine, instead of being called Katie up and down the hall, it was called Granny down the hall and the focus was on the grandmother, whereas in the book, the focus is more on the dog. But needless to say, the grandmother is a key role. And, you know, there were certain obvious choice possibilities like Betty White, who actually endorsed the book, read the book, and I've interviewed her in the past, and she's a friend of mine, but she doesn't have the time to be in this movie. And so another person who uh, had endorsed the book is the actress Valerie Harper. And although she doesn't necessarily look like a grandmother. <laughs> She's actually uh, a very glamorous-looking woman still. She's still, nonetheless, though, in her 70s now, which is about the age wow. that Pearl was when I met her. And they have a couple things in common. Pearl had a lot of humor and wit, kind of a spicy personality, not the grandmotherly, sweet little grandmother who would sit and knit a sweater. That wasn't like her at all. She was a much more modern, kind of uh, sarcastic, funny, sardonic grandmother. And so Valerie Harper, as you know, has many of those comedic qualities mm-hmm. to her. And so she and her husband, who's a producer, um, did option the book. It's currently with them. And they're in the process of taking it around to different studios uh, to see if they might uh, put together a production of it. Okay.
1: So it's up to them to take it around and put together a pitch and treatment and everything for it to try to, uh, to get the book on the screen, or, uh, whether it's television or on the movie screen.
2: Yeah, the way it works is the publisher and um, my agent, they put together uh, all the materials they need, you know, they have the book trailer, they have the book, they have the press kit, they have everything, and they have a story composite and a summary, and then it's basically like in any enterprise human relationships, you go around and you talk about the story and pitch it, and hope that the right studio might pick up on it. So uh, nothing has happened yet, so I can't really report any news, but... It's good news, I think, that you know they were interested enough to take it.
1: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And we know that, like you said, that the process sometimes can be lengthy, but usually when it happens, it happens quick after that. So uh, we're going to look forward to that for sure. I want to ask you a little bit more about that that whole option process. Was it a matter of the publisher and your agent contacting Valerie Harper and, and others to see what their interest level was, or was it more of just uh No,
2: no, they didn't do anything… This is all based on my own. I have a long history, as you probably know, of interviewing um, celebrities. Mm-hmm. That's where this whole thing starts and ends. Uh, I know a lot of these people uh, personally. And so I just picked up the phone and called Valerie Harper on the phone and spoke to her about it. And one thing led to another. It was not what you're thinking where somebody approached her in, a, in a, you know like an agent or somebody. In this case, I personally did it. And it worked out that way.
1: That's great. That's fantastic. And having someone on the project that you know well and knows uh you know has a, a good uh you have a good relationship with, she has a good heart and wants to see the program, uh, the project succeeds. So I think it's a great fit for you. Yeah.
2: And I mean she genuinely I didn't tell her what to write when she read the book, you know. She really liked the book. And Betty White read it and Judge Judy and Calvin Klein and Joan Rivers and Mary Tyler Moore and Mariah Carey and Mary Higgins Clark and Some, and Ivana Trump, all kinds of people read it, and each one of them wrote something about it, and Valerie Harper wrote that Katie up and down the hall runs up and down your heart on four little darling padded golden feet. This story is for dog lovers, New Yorkers, for those who have a family, and for those who wish to. It's a celebration of love. It's for everyone. So that's what she said, and I think she took her enthusiasm for it and went with it. That's fantastic. What
1: a great quote, too.
2: Was yeah. very kind of her. Every writer, of course, wants good quotes. We don't put any of the bad ones, do we?
1: No, <laughs> no. <laughs> We just hope for some originally, and then we we try to take the best ones. You're absolutely right, and you you have enough of them, obviously, because your great work that you've done, great relationships you've done. Uh, you can have a, a book of endorsements about uh, the books that you're going to be writing. So I think that's a good thing. For
2: well, you. thanks. If any of your listeners want to, if you go to katiebook.com, you can click on the press page, and they can listen to an interview that you and I did. Uh, about a year ago, or, of course, they they can also listen to the new one, too. But there's a whole bunch of stuff. The American Kennel Club did one, and People Magazine did another one, and there's an interview, um I mean, a review from Oprah's Magazine. So you can go to the press page and look at all kinds of things. Yeah,
1: everybody definitely do that. Go to or uh, to learn more about Glenn, and then go to katiebook.com to find out more about the book and, and watch some of these. And yeah, I do remember when we first spoke about the book, when it came out, I was so uh, thrilled with it and uh, the work that you did. I said, I asked you the question about when's it going to come out in the movie. So we're uh, we're piecing it all together, and I look forward to the next interview when we're actually talking about the movie itself.
2: Well, I hope we get there. Yeah, <laughs>
1: <laughs> absolutely. Now, I what, will ask you real quick. As far as um, when we're talking about taking books and getting people interested in, uh, in doing movie projects, television projects with them, whatever it may be, what do you think uh, is the key or the key components in uh, a story or in a book that would make it attractive, make it interesting uh, to turn into a, uh, a television or movie project?
2: Well, it's always about human relationships. You know, the relationships that go on in this book. If there, if you imagine six round circles each circle is a person and each one of those circles is interacting with the other five circles you know and so the relationships get complicated the dog has a different relationship with each one of the people i have one relationship with pearl the grandmother figure but the little boy has a different relationship with her and then we interact together as a threesome and then the father comes in and that's a foursome so it's complicated, but over a period of 16 years, as you can imagine, these relationships get very intimate and personal. And we live with each other on a day-to-day, just as a family would. We don't just see each other every once in a while. We would be seeing each other every day. So just as we all have our ups and downs, every family does, um, so did we. So, And the one unifying thing throughout the book is Katie the dog. She's a blonde-haired Cocker Spaniel, you know, and the first thing that drew me to her were those long ears and those soulful eyes. If you look on the cover of the book, you'll never see a more beautiful picture of a Cocker Spaniel. And there was something about those long ears that uh, intrigued me when I first saw them. And um, I now have another Cocker Spaniel named Lucy, and uh, same thing. She looks a little different, her personality is different, but they have a lot of the same traits. That particular breed works for me. But, of course, you know, all dogs are lovable and big or small or whatever. I live in a community where we literally have 300 dogs in our apartment building. Uh, That's a lot of dogs. That's a lot of dogs. (laughs) We have everything from Great Danes to the tiniest little dogs, you know, and everything in between. And um, I always say, you know, I always wonder why some dog owners will shy away and say, oh, my dog's shy. The only reason a dog is shy is this is because they weren't socialized or maybe they were traumatized or maybe they were trained to be shy but i'm a firm believer in when you get your puppy if your puppy is eight weeks old what i have always done is i expose the puppy to every possible situation there is revolving doors escalators elevators uh... kids pulling on their ears older people wheelchairs other dogs small and large and the dog i have now Lucy, is fearless i mean you can take her anywhere she is totally comfortable with kids you can approach her from the back the front the side it makes absolutely no difference she's just very trusting the only downside to that is she doesn't always know her limits so if a big dog were to come along who wasn't friendly she wouldn't expect them to be unfriendly so i'm always i'm a firm believer in using the leash um it's not a good idea to have dogs off the leash Never do it. I have a friend who had a little um, dog recently, and the dog was killed wandering on a country road. My question is, what was that dog doing wandering on a country road with no leash? Mm -hmm. If you've got a backyard that doesn't have a fence, you've got to use a leash. So I just don't, even in the city, I live in New York City, you'll see sometimes people walking around, and their dogs have no leash. It's just astounding to me. Would you let your child walk around in traffic? I don't think so.
1: No, absolutely. I wholeheartedly agree with you on that. And the fact that you don't know, you don't know if the animal is all of a sudden going to get too interested in something they shouldn't be involved in and wander away. Uh, Perhaps you take your eye off of them and they get in a little bit more trouble than you expected, or somebody approaches them or something approaches them. And as you know, I work with uh, uh, missing animals. That's a big part of uh, the work that I do. And uh, a lot of times, you know, animals will get stolen, misplaced, get distracted, get scared by a noise. And next thing you know, they're often running or often and being taken away somewhere, and it's a challenge getting them back. So, yeah, use those leashes. That, that's for sure.
2: We have a supermarket downstairs, and sometimes when people go in to shop, they leave these adorable little dogs tied downstairs to the lamppost. Mm. And we've had cases where the dogs were stolen. Yeah. I always say to these dog owners, would you leave your 3-year-old child chained to a lamppost outside the um, grocery store? And, they, of course, they would never do that. And I think to myself, well, what is the difference why would you leave your dog all alone, unattended, defenseless, tied up outside while you have no way of looking at them? I, I just find it astounding.
1: Well, I think it goes back to our original theme on this interview, Glenn, the fact that it's a different world than perhaps the one we grew up in. And uh, you just got to be a little bit more cognizant, and, uh, but also be open and get to know your neighbors. And uh, Katie up and down the hall will definitely uh, teach you how to do that and uh, find the joys of being able to form those kind of relationships and bonds and uh, building a family unit.
2: Absolutely. I'm a firm believer in allowing your neighbors to babysit your dog. (laughs) That's always good.
1: Yeah, if you can get your neighbors to do that, that's a big bonus, so good advice. Why not spread
2: some of the joy around? That's right.
1: That's right. So everybody, if you haven't picked up a copy of the book or the audio, definitely do that. It's Katie up and down the hall. You can find out more about the book and watch the trailer and uh, get some more insight by going to com. And uh, Glenn, it's always a pleasure talking to you. We'll look forward to hearing more from you uh, down the road. Definitely more about the, the movie project and uh, much success to you. It's a pleasure. Thanks for coming on Animal Rights on oh, Pet Life Radio. My pleasure. Well, we're uh, coming to the end of the show today. So I'd like to thank everyone for listening to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. I also like to thank our sponsors and producers for making the show possible. To find out more about me, Tim Link, and other uh, people that I've interviewed on the Animal Rights show and read my blog, you can go to petliferadio.com. petliferadio.com and click on the Animal Rights tab, uh, read the blogs, read the information, uh, download the interviews, and uh, while you're there, make sure you check out all the other are uh, hosts and shows that we have on Pet Life Radio. That's petliferadio.com. If you have any questions, comments, or ideas for the show, please email me. You can email me at tim at petliferadio.com. That's Tim at PetLiferadio.com, and I'll be glad to answer your questions, entertain your comments, and bring on the people you want to hear most onto the show. So until next time, write a great story about the animals in your life. Share it in a blog, article, or in a book. And who knows, you may be the next guest. Animal rights on Pet Life Radio. Have a great day.
0: Let's talk pets every week on demand only on PetLifeRadio.com.